0: Welcome back to Fiat, the podcast for Catholic women. We are Renee Maureen, and we want to give you reliable and honest information about how to be a modern Catholic woman in the world, but not of the world. We use personal experiences as well as church teachings to motivate you to always say yes to God. Welcome
1: back, ladies. Welcome back another week <laughs> another podcast i stole that yep. from jess and gabriel Conte. if ever, anyone else is a youtube addict like me i don't even <laughs> really like them that much i've watched like two of their videos but now that slogan is stuck in my head i feel that
0: okay well today not gonna lie me and maureen have both had a pretty rough week so if we sound a little down that's why but tomorrow's friday on our week so that's good news So today we're taking kind of like a fun topic, I guess, and we're talking about the critically acclaimed TV show Mad Men. And before we get started, I just want to have a little disclaimer. We're just talking about season one, but there will be spoilers. Nothing too insane, but if you really want to, you know, not be spoiled, don't listen. And also, I just feel like I need to say this, like the morals in this show are not my best, but like obviously we don't support that and there's no like, there's no like, scenes that would mean that you can't watch it as a Catholic to be honest so at least in season one we're just talking about season one so I just want to have that disclaimer but yes I'm very excited so a little backstory this is like one (laughs) of my favorite tv shows I honestly I honestly think that this is one of the best modern dramas made in the past 10 years but I'm welcome to get some criticism on that claim but I'm, I'm in like the middle of season two but basically I started watching this because I saw an ad And then I got Maureen watching it, and it's, like, all I talked about for, like, a week, and now I'm obsessed with it, but I don't have time to watch it because of school.
1: Wait, wait, wait. Before we jump in, I want to say this is our second episode of Girl Talk, and it's not, like, last week we talked about modesty, and we're probably going to do more girly topics. I I don't know how many we're going to do. We haven't really decided yet. But this is part of our Girl Talk series because we're definitely going to be talking about it from a girl's perspective. And I would just like to give my half of the story of how I started watching it. So one day, I was just chilling, and I was watching Mrs. Doubtfire on YouTube because I'm a YouTube addict. And then Renee was texting me, and she's like, what are you doing? She's like, oh, I'm watching Mad Men. You should watch it with me so that we can watch a show together. And I was like, oh my gosh, I actually really want to do that. Even if I think the show is crappy, I will watch the entire show with you Just because I want to do something together because I'm so lonely. Because virtual freaking life, guys.
0: I'm so tired of it. Ugh. But whatever.
1: So that's what we've been doing lately. And I don't really have enough time to watch it either, but I purposely don't do any of my homework and choose to do something else instead. And then I end up like I am today and I have a seven-page paper due in three hours and I've only written three of the pages so far and I don't have any citations Hey, You got yet, three
0: done. But that's all good. <laughs> we just all need a break. So we're taking a TV break and we're talking about my favorite show, Like besides Peaky Blinders, this is my favorite show. And if you all know me, you know, I like Peaky Blinders. So, (laughs) okay. (laughs) So just to give you guys, if you don't know, Mad Men is about marketing men who live in New York in the 60s. They are actually based very loosely on the real advertising agencies that existed. And in just a little historical fact, the Mad Men phrase comes from those advertising men in the 60s who labeled themselves as Mad Men. So that's an interesting take. But it basically although, follows. Go
1: ahead. Although, according to Wikipedia, that may or may not be true, and it may or yeah. may not have been like totally made up by the show's creators, which really disappointed me. But it is no, interesting it, it because- wasn't made up by
0: the show's creators.
1: Well, they don't know if the people actually called it themselves. Uh. That they said that. Okay, according to Wikipedia, which is where I get all of my sources from. <laughs> There was, like, one person that they could actually find a documented evidence of them being called Madmen, like, in, like, a newspaper, journal, whatever, whatever. They're not really okay, sure exactly our, how frequently it yeah. was used, but, listen, yes, they're based listen, off of a our real benefit, time period. Yeah.
0: Oh, my gosh, Maureen. Okay, we're calling them that they call themselves Madmen. Either way, yes, I don't really care. It's a cool That's what name. it
1: says on the first episode, so we're just going to yeah. go with it. Make it yeah. sound more interesting.
0: So they're basically, like, these – it follows a storyline – approximately four to five guys and their wives and their not wives and basically like their lives and it is it's an interesting story about human nature so go watch it pause this and go watch season one so i think that the show literally i watched the first episode i was like i need to write an article about the show i think as catholics this show has a lot of things that we can take away because the characters are so interesting guys so we have dawn who is the main guy of the show. He has his wife, his two kids. His wife's name is Betty Draper. She stays at home. And on the surface, his life looks great and all this. And you literally learn in the first episode, he is cheating on his wife. And you're pretty sure this isn't the first time. So it just- Oh, like, it's definitely it's not the and like, first basically, time. Yeah, no. Basically, every guy in the show is not faithful. And it's, it's interesting Except because you also Russian. have the main girl character, who I would argue is Peggy Olson who's the she just got a job as a secretary. And she's so excited. And she's so quote unquote, naive and innocent and all this. But it's just so interesting how these two worlds collide. You have the working women and you have the stay at home moms. And then you have the men who treat women like trash in the office and the women kind of let them because they want to move up in the workforce. So it's just interesting. And it shows a lot about history in general. And Just going off of kind of the first topic that we had to talk about, I guess, is the juxtaposition between the women at home and the women in the workforce is astoundingly interesting. They're both unhappy. They're both being treated bad by the men in their lives. And it's just I appreciate the fact that this show doesn't make a statement either way. It doesn't come out and say women at home are bad or women in the workforce are bad. It just shows that with the sexual revolution in the 60s, women got the short end of the stick. I would argue that it really portrays that. And just the fact that the women in the, in the workplace are verbally harassed, sometimes physically harassed, you could argue, and they're, they're they're obviously not okay with it. But in a sense, they expect it because that's the only way that they're going to do well in their job. And the women at home are being cheated on. So it's like, where is the silver lining? Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I know like Maureen doesn't really agree with me on this, but Betty Draper, Don's wife, I think is one of the most interesting characters because you learn she knows her husband is cheating <laughs> on her. She knows, but she doesn't know what to do about it. And she just kind of hopes for the best. And, you know, the real life issues that this show portrays i mean some people would say oh well the women in the workforce are doing better because you know they have their own lives but they're you know home wreckers in reality and they know that they are it's so interesting nothing has really changed in society and this show definitely shows that i just think that this show shows a lot about what it means to find happiness no one in this show has religion really it's not a religious show obviously and There is a little bit of religion with Peggy, but not a lot. And that doesn't even come up until season two. And so no one in this show really has God in their lives. So no wonder they aren't happy. You know, they're just living to find pleasure. And that's very obvious with the men. And a little less obvious with the women, but still pretty obvious.
1: Yeah, that's a lot. I would like to go off of that point because I'm a little bit ahead of Renee and I have some things to disagree about, but because we're not- We're talk talking about season one. Because we're only talking about season one, I won't say anything. But yeah, if you watch the show, you'll know that some things that Renee said may or may not actually be true if you get on further. It kind of leads you to believe- some Dude, season 100%. one. Anyways- definitely go watch the show because I personally don't really like the way it's structured, but I do think it has some really interesting things to talk about. My biggest, biggest issue with this show, and it's not really like an issue with the show, though. It's just an issue with human nature, how we treat the people we know. So Peggy Olsen comes into town, right? The first day at work, she gets harassed by all of the young male executives, and they're like, Ooh, you should show off those legs more and stuff like that. And she's clearly disturbed by it a little bit. And then that night, this guy that she knows is getting married the next day or something, like next Mm -hmm. week, comes to her apartment and he's like, I had to see you tonight. And she's like, oh, come on in. She doesn't even give it a second thought. Meanwhile, he's one of the people who treated her the worst that day at work. But as soon as he shows up at her apartment, she just throws it all out the window not only that, she knows that he gets married and she continues to see him. That's just wrong. If you want this other woman to have a miserable life, you're doing a really good job. And especially since at that time period, women were all like, oh, women's rights and like women need to be treated better and stuff like that. It's like, why don't we start with women treating other women properly? It bothers me so much when- The women in the show are totally willing to sleep with all of the married men, and they have no problem with it, knowing that this guy's wife is at home and has no idea what's going on. And they're literally ruining the marriage. And all of them want to get married someday. You can tell they talk about it all the time. And it's like, if you were married, would you want somebody to be doing that to your husband? Because someone probably will. But you need to set the example now and make it stop now so that it doesn't happen to you. Definitely treat others the way you want to be treated. It's always been true. It always will be true. And I think women especially just kind of do whatever and then expect differently. I'm not really sure why, but I think it's still true today. The same sort of thing will happen. A girl will cheat with somebody else's boyfriend. But then if she ever gets a boyfriend, she would be so mad if someone did the same thing with her own boyfriend. And I'm like, well, you can't, you can't expect the world to treat you good and not anybody else. And so I'm very passionate about women supporting other women, because I think that's where it needs to start before we can ask anything of men, we need to know how we want to be treated and expect that kind of behavior from ourselves first before we can ask anybody else to treat us that way.
0: Yeah, I would just Oh, so true. Here's the thing, though. This is Peggy's revolution, quote unquote, awakening or whatever. I don't know. She's one of my least favorite characters right now. But she goes, (laughs) she gets her, she gets her job, you know, and she's, you know, she's so, she's what society at that time would call an empowered woman, right? Her first day, like Maureen said, completely sexualized is only noticed for her sexuality, is only noticed because she's not showing skin. And then what does her fellow coworker tell her to do? Go get on birth control where she is then sexualized by the doctor giving her birth control. And then what does she do? She becomes the stereotype and she sleeps with a guy from work who's getting married, who shows up at her house drunk. And just the fact that she is already falling into that trap of, you know, the stereotypical secretary at the time, it's just kind of sad. I just think this show really makes you ask the question of what is empowerment and what is happiness? Because, and I'm going to use a little transition here, another character, his name's Roger, and he's an older guy. He's sleeping with one of the upper women in the office. He's supposedly unhappy, you know, whatever, in his marriage. And then he has a heart attack and he almost dies. And he tells Dawn, I've been living like a sailor at leave for the past 20 years. And it's true. He's been living for what he thinks is pleasurable. But then what does he do once he's out of the hospital? he goes and he sleeps with someone again who's not his wife. So it's like, did he really learn his lesson? He knew on his deathbed he wasn't happy and he got a second chance and he blew it. So, you know, like you can mess up and we're all going to mess up and we're all going to sin, but you have to be able to do something about it. Don't just fall into the same trap like Roger does. Don't be Roger. Roger's trash. (laughs) (laughs) Actual trash. trash. But then there's another character who... Sleeps with someone at his work and ends up telling his wife about it. And the wife kicks him out and he lives in the office for a long time. And then I don't really know what happens next, but right now they're doing okay. So hopefully they stay. But he, I mean, and we could argue whether you should. Obviously, this is not the best example, but I'm just saying he owned up to his mistake (laughs) and he changed himself. He didn't. He wasn't a Roger. Don't be a Roger. You get anything from this (laughs) podcast. Don't be a Roger. But yeah, I mean, just... The women in the show are terrible to each other, like Maureen said. I mean, they're you like you know the guy's married. You're not that stupid. You know, you work with him. But you're you just think it's okay because like he tells you it's okay. It's just this this weird cognitive dissonance between all these women, you know, and they they really like, especially in the workplace, I mean, they're really only noticed for being women. And they are just super sexualized and it's it's kind of hard to watch sometimes because you're like, Ugh, that would never be allowed today because we have all the HR and everything. But it's true and it's very interesting.
1: Well, I mean, also it would never be allowed today because I feel like people have gotten a little bit better. I mean, there's definitely still Rogers out there, which absolutely just like creeps me out, honestly. But I feel like for the most part, people have gotten better about at least workplace harassment. Like, mm, I'm very I don't glad know. about that. I mean, yeah, there's obviously all these scandals coming out and stuff like that. But in in general, it's not like if it is, it was kind of like on the down low and like covered up and stuff like that. Whereas in those times, people did it like everyone did it and everyone expected it. Like it wasn't covered up. It just it just happened. Like it was Well,
0: there. and I think so, it's interesting because in the 60s, you had this like flood of women who were entering the workforce for some of them for like the first time and the men didn't know what to do and you know they went from only having men at work to all of a sudden having very well-dressed women like right across you know from right across the desk from them so it you know it shows human nature what happens when when you know things change like that so it's good that our it's good that our society has improved
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, let's hope so. <laughs> okay, well, this is probably as good of a spot as any, but we're going to go to our commercial break, and we'll be back with you in just a minute.
0: Exciting news from Washington D.C. Sunday, October eleventh, Bishop Joseph Coffee will be leading a Eucharistic procession around the nation's Capitol Hill area, beginning at two thirty p.m. from Saint Peter's Catholic Church. Joining Bishop Coffey will be Monsignor Charles Pope, Father Rick Heilman, Father Stephen Amorato, and yes, our beloved Sister Didi Byrne. This historic Eucharistic procession will be followed by the 6th Annual National Rosary Rally. This is a live, in-person event. Details at rosarycoasttocoast.com. Sunday, October 11th, St. Peter's Church on Capitol Hill. 2.30pm. That's rosarycoasttocoast.com.
1: And we're back. One thing that I was going to talk about, is I think it's interesting because I think Peggy She's not so—I honestly don't see it the same way as Renee does. I don't see her at all as an empowered woman. I kind of see her as this—I mean, she is very naive. She comes to New York City, and she's going to live in Manhattan, or I think she ends up living in Brooklyn or something. And Pete Campbell shows up on her doorstep, and she lets him in and whatever, and then she sees him again at the office a couple weeks later. They have a fun little time early before anybody gets to the office. And then after that, he starts treating her really weird, and she doesn't really know how to take it. And then eventually, she kind of grows up a little bit, and if, and she starts, when he says stuff to her, she's like, you know, I, I don't know what you want from me. Like, you can't have it always. Like, it it's either going to be one or the other, and you can't expect me to be both for you and everything for you. And she kind of pushes him aside, and she kind of pushes all of the young men aside and sort of focuses more on like, why she's in New York, which is her career, which I do Mm. respect her for that, I will say, because she's at least able to sort of figure out, oh, this is what I actually wanted. And I Mm. need to stop being so young and stupid, and get over myself and my fun, loving nature and settle down and get to business. And I think she definitely does a good job of that. I still don't admire her character because, as I said, she's literally doing this when she knows he has a wife. And there's another character in there that also is kind of debatable, but it's Rachel Menken, who is one of Don Draper's clients. And she doesn't realize he's married at first. And so they're kind of like out on this like flirty little date thing or whatever. And then she has him come to her store and they do like a tour or whatever. And then... She finds out that he's married because he tells her he's like, oh, I can't do this or whatever. But then she's like, I can't believe that you would let me do that and not tell me. Get away from me. So he leaves or whatever. But then he comes back and she is, starts out by saying no and then just kind of like lets the walls break down. And so for me, I kind of almost see them as like opposites. Like Peggy was all for it at the beginning. And then she realized, and like, OK, this is ridiculous. I'm being immature. I need to start actually having a say in my life. And then you have Rachel on the other side who starts out as a very empowered woman who like basically is running her father's business. She's calling all of the shots. And then she says no at first and then kind of like lets it happen. And yes, there's more beyond that. But I lost all respect for Rachel because... She kept saying no, kept saying no, and then eventually she said yes. And I know it's not always easy, but, like, you could see she wanted to, and she could have kept saying no, but, like, she, I personally don't think that she did enough to tell Don no. Now, he also should have backed off, but I just, it bothered me so much because she knew what she was doing, 100%, and she knew it was wrong, and then she did it anyways, which, ugh. Really yeah, the but only I really thing, okay, <laughs> <laughs>
0: I, I don't think that Peggy or Rachel are good role models. However, I do not think that Peggy is what I would consider an empowered woman. I don't think any, really, any woman in the show is really empowered in the like proper sense of the term. I think that Peggy is someone who gets put in a workplace way over her head and doesn't know what to do, makes a really bad mistake, and then lives in denial of that mistake the rest of the season. That's she literally, true. she, and yes, like, she does move up in the workforce, and she does take charge of her life a little more, but she really doesn't. She She's in denial of a pregnancy for the whole time that she doesn't even realize she's in labor, and she just kind of, like, pushes the bad things of her life away, and tries to basically become a guy like a man to move up in the workforce because she knows that she won't be respected as a woman at that time. And then, you know, there's, there's interesting perspectives on that, but it really shows that like she doesn't win either way. You know, she doesn't win as the, the fake guy trying to move up and she doesn't win as the girl either because she's so sexualized the whole time. So, you know, how does she win? And then with Rachel, she's not happy. Like she makes that so clear when she first meets Dawn you know, she has her business and she loves it and she's doing really well, but there's just something missing. And that's why she feels close to Don because, you know, he's this mysterious, like, man, he's just, he's just trash guys. Like, don't let him fool you. <laughs> but I mean, and then she sleeps with him and like, and but then she feels regret about it. She's calling her sister, you know, and she's, and then Don asks her to run away with her, with, run away with him. And she's like, no, like you have a wife and kids. Like, what am I doing? And then she, you know, fixes herself. So I don't I mean, I don't know who's better or who's worse, but you know, then you also have the women at home who are like, you know, Betty Draper is literally like waiting for Dawn to come home until like midnight because he's sleeping with other women and she knows it. You know, and it's like she's not empowered either because she's just waiting for someone who doesn't really appreciate her and she doesn't know what to do about it. And it's like, who's the real villain in this show? Like the women who who are home wreckers or the men who caused the home wrecking? Or the women at home, like who's the villain here? Like, it's just so interesting to me. And just the fact that the women in the show aren't happy, the men aren't happy, they think they are, but they're really not. I mean, Rogers on his deathbed crying because he hates his life so much. So it's like, how do you find happiness in a world like that, in a world like ours that's overly sexualized? where, you know, it is harder for women, it still is, you know, ask any woman who's been in the workforce and got like pregnant, like you're you're discriminated against, it doesn't matter what people tell you. So it's like, how do you beat that? And I I would argue it's by not becoming a man by embracing being a woman and using that for your benefit. And you really couldn't do that in the 60s, as you can now. But Interesting, interesting topics on the juxtaposition between masculinity and femininity in the show. Go ahead, Maureen.
1: I have another thing to talk about that I find very interesting. But basically, so there's a divorced woman that moves into the neighborhood and becomes the Drapers. And I can't remember their name right now. Carlton and somebody who live across the street. Anyways, so she moves into the neighborhood and all the other women look down on her so much because she's divorced. Even though there might have been legitimate reasons, if she found out that her husband was cheating on her, that's a legitimate reason to split up and start and try and make a better life. I think. Anyways, so they look down on her. It's all terrible, terrible, terrible. And then towards the end of the season, Betty Draper's best friend comes to her and says, "I just found out that Carlton is cheating on me," and she's like, "What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do?" And I just kept thinking, if you were to get divorced. You'd be in the same position as her, but you would expect everybody else to still treat you the same way. In fact, you would expect your friends to have pity on you because your husband was cheating on you. Even though the same exact Mm. thing happened to your poor neighbor, you treat her like crap. Like, it's just... I I don't understand...
0: Well, here's the thing. In the 60s, divorce was not something you did. Like, it was just starting to be normal to get divorced. And, like, I mean... We can argue about whether that's good or bad. But, I mean... It's, it's, it's very interesting, because in the 60s, they had a very different morality, and they just had the sexual revolution. So we were starting to become like a post Christian society. But they still had all those morals that people were holding on to from the 50s. And like, all these things of like, you didn't get divorced, you stayed home, you figured it out in house, and you put on a happy smile for your neighbors. And so they're just starting to transition from that mentality to the revolution of divorce and women in the workforce and just all the like drugs and like hippies and all that, that came out. And just like women didn't know what to do. I mean, really. And it shows, it shows in this show, like what do you do when you find out your husband shooting on you? If you're Betty, you drink a lot of wine and you pretend it's not real. And if you're Carlton's wife, you, you kind of just like, forget it happened, you know? And it's like, mm-hmm. I mean, what do you do in a society like that? And, you know, why Why was, like, cheating all of a sudden okay so obviously? Like, it obviously happened before the 60s. Like, I'm not that naive. But I'm saying, why was there just, like, this extreme uptake of it? And then, you know, now you have modern society where divorce is just so, it's just so rampant everywhere. We're not living in a Christian nation. You know, the moralities are, it's not here anymore, you know? And, like, as Catholics, like, how do you handle that? Like, how do you keep living? So interesting
1: (laughs) yeah and also like season one happens in the year 1960 so really the sexual revolution hadn't happened at all like it it was in its very infant stage but I just it was just another example to me of like the fact that people expect one thing for themselves and then another thing for somebody else and I it just it bothers me so much because they're so distraught when their husband cheats on them which they should be But then they're just they like this poor woman who's just trying to get by. She obviously has to work to feed her children, and then everybody is like, "Oh, you're a terrible person because your husband left you." What?
0: Well, here's the thing: the grass is always greener, y'all. The grass? It's fake. It's greener because it's fake. (laughs) Like, no (laughs) one is doing well. Life is hard on everyone, and just I don't know. Pull the what is it like? Oh yes, pull the plank and whatever you're on. Yes. Yep. Thank you. So I mean. Dang. And you know, know. Don, Don is a great character of someone who literally lives in this world of denial. He really thinks that he's like, Oh, like, I can do whatever I want at work. Like I can drink like 30 whiskeys a day. And like, I can cheat on my wife, but like, she'll still be waiting for me when I get home. And like, everything's fine. But it's not Betty is so obviously unhappy. Like she's seen a therapist because she doesn't know what else to do because she literally has like the shakes, because she has such bad anxiety, you know, and probably because she's
1: smoking so much. But I mean, that's just, a totally different topic
0: yeah I mean like like one of my favorite scenes is the last scene of the season where Don has, has told Betty like I'm not going with you what is it Thanksgiving or something like Thanksgiving he, yeah he's not gonna leave with the family like he'll meet her up there he won't come like he's busy with work you know and she's like whatever that's awful you don't care about this family and you know she leaves with the kids to go up to see her dad and he comes home and he's like Oh my gosh, like my wife isn't home. I've spent the past week like cheating on her with, I think it's Rachel at the time. And he comes home and he just sits on the staircase and looks around his empty house. And he's like, oh my gosh, what have I done? I think that's really, it's really apparent. He had this whole vision of coming home to her. She was waiting for him and like they were going to go up to Thanksgiving together. But like he was too late. Like he's been a terrible husband. That's (laughs) That's un- unarguable. <laughs> like, he has yeah. been awful to her. And he still expects her, you know, like, to be happy to see him. But she wasn't there. So it's just, you know, like, where do you go from there? Like, how do you fix that? What is love? Basically,
1: <laughs> basically yeah, basically the message that I'm getting from this season is that we need to love each other all a little bit more and have a little bit more compassion for people and also just, like, treat the people that actually care about us well.
0: (laughs) And yeah, and also like there does come a time when it's too late. If you want to change, change. Like stop waiting for someone to tell you to do it or for, you know, like for this huge sign. There will come a time when the people who love you will be so exhausted that they can't, they can't like do it anymore. Like they'll still love you, but they might not be there for you anymore. So change, like take control of your life, take some ownership and, you know, be the guy who, I mean, I almost just said be the guy who tells his wife that he's cheating on her. <laughs> Don't be that guy. But be the guy who, like, be the guy or gal who, like, owns up to her, like, mistakes and who fixes it. Who doesn't just wallow, like, Don and Roger and drink their life away. I think that's really important.
1: And we're about at time, so uh, we're going to wrap this up and uh, definitely go watch Mad Men. At least it's so good. One. I mean, it's completely all free. Good. <laughs> yes i am G. it's totally free that's how yeah. i'm watching it um, oh so good you know you want to watch it after hearing all of this you also know after hearing this you want to listen to all of our other episodes and follow us on instagram at podcast fiat if you have any yeah. suggestions let us know we also have yeah. a gmail podcast fiat at gmail.com so um yeah i'm actually
0: us. i'm back on instagram guys but only on like fiat and my baking blog so i'm posting on the stories so, if you see something sappy, it's me. But yay. Yeah, do a little <laughs>
1: swipe up and say hi, Renee. She'll absolutely love it. I will. Oh my gosh. She will. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it for this week.
0: Good Bye. luck on midterms.
1: Bye.